You're listening to The Contrary Beekeeper Show. I'm Dan. I'm Greg. And I'm James. Join us as we journey into beekeeping while we learn to be the change, one hive at a time. Today we're talking about treatment-free and my dead bees. Let's get after it. So I was out and the bees are bearding like crazy and it's they're getting fat and they're getting the boxes are getting heavy and the numbers are growing and the first thing I think of is oh man should I be treating my bees no treating your bees are bad that's what big pharmaceutical companies want you to do that's true well yeah if you've followed any of the treatment free beekeeper uh, pages on Facebook oh you mean the ones <laughs> I got kicked out of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you voice your opinion? Well, that's a tricky thing. Is it's it you know anymore when you have uh, groups of people that are so uh, minded in a certain direction that if you ask any kind of questions, you're automatically labeled a troll. You're automatically labeled a trouble. A trouble. I would I would word that different. I would say entrenched because they are very entrenched. Okay. To the moment you start pushing a little bit and questioning their methodology, they dig deeper and start fighting. So what harder. in the world are we talking about? It's just as political as politics, it, uh, if not worse. It's tricky because once you have folks that do entrench uh, to a certain belief and you go all in, it's hard to to really pull yourself out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Ta- yeah. Let's, let's talk about uh, let's talk about treatment free my dead bees. Mine specifically. Yeah. Well, I don't have any dead bees myself as a first year beekeeper. Not yet. <laughs> I uh, do. Uh, but, you know, both you, uh, Dan and Greg, have uh, experienced this this past year, and I, I, I think I, I would like to hear what your experiences are. So last year, uh, we came in and we were uh, we came in with like six, six or seven nukes, and we started making really good numbers, and we were using small cell bees um, to try to keep down on mites and um, try to have a healthier bee and just the temperament that we liked um, out of this genetic stock. And they did great. And we chose to uh, kind of preventatively treatment-free-ish approach uh, with, um, with the, the bees by using essential oils in our sugar syrup. Now, both of those things are automatically anti-treatment-free because we're feeding the bees, which treatment-free folks believe is uh, treating against starvation. And then we're using essential oils, which they consider um, a a soft or even an oil uh, treatment uh, treating against um, mites. And so, yes, both are true, but we, you know, felt good about doing that. And we were also making lots of brood breaks, making lots of splits to interrupt that varroa mite cycle. And it actually worked out really well most of the year um, until we got to the end of the, uh, towards the end of the year, into the fall, where it was too cold to feed the sugar syrup. They weren't getting that essential oil inoculation inside of the hive. And it was too cold to make any more uh, brood breaks. And then we had our, my uh, local inspector came out, gave me a clean bill of health. And within a, just a couple weeks after that, we just got inundated with varroa mites. And at first, I didn't want to believe it. I, I was, I, it, I thought that it might have been some kind of a poisoning, or you know, it, I'm speaking from someone who was trying to be more treatment-free minded. And so the first 
point of blame obviously is not myself it's everybody else it's you know things the bees have gotten into or it's you know some farmer's field doing this and i i'm guilty i I fall into that trap and those things definitely do occur um and i think i saw when you we talked about that last year there's a lot of people who said yeah definitely that's that's high poisoning through and through saying it was it was high poisoning because um there were some of the bees that were dying um with their proboscis their tongue out and so that that is kind of an unusual thing um but then you know rather than just take the time to go through the hive with a microscope or a close-up lens you know i decided to just google out and ask people for an answer and then what i wanted to hear was yes your hives got poisoned it's not your fault that's what i wanted to hear and that's the overwhelming response that i was getting so you looked for an answer that you wanted and you yeah. got that answer guilty yep and and that's what happened what what did reality say reality said that there was also some beekeepers that said uh what was your varroa mite load like what were your checks what what are you, how are you treating against varroa and so I do believe that brood breaks and uh, using the essential oils definitely helps. Um, but once those things are removed, um, even having small cell might help. But it still wasn't enough to be um, healthy enough to get those bees through the wintertime. And my bees ended up dying. So what it looked like is I would open up the hive and there would be dead bees on the top of the frames. There would be dead clusters in between the frames. There was dead bees on the bottom laying in piles. And occasionally there would be a bee on the bottom that had their tongue, the proboscis sticking out. And so I'm thinking, what in the world's going on here? All the hives were loaded full of honey. You know, for every frame of bees I had in there, I had a frame of honey. Um, so there was very, very heavy in honey. And um, I got to look a little bit closer and you could see little pinholes right in the middle, near the middle um, of the brood that had not emerged. And I'm thinking, okay, well, it could be brood that was trying to trying to, to pull out. Either, either they had nurse bees trying to eat through or to pull them out, or, or the, the nurse bees were now old enough and they were trying to chew their way through the wax to emerge. And then I had seen um, one thing that kind of solved this mystery was that I had a young bee that was dead in the cell with its with its proboscis out. So how can a freshly emerging bee die from hive poisoning before it's had a chance to leave the hive? And for those out there that don't know what a proboscis is? It's their tongue. That's what they use to 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 to, to, to like a, like a straw to bring in um, the nectar and and things like that. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, if that were to be the case, we would have to have like direct spray either on my hive or to it, or I would have to have had somehow had this bee was being fed poison nectar or poison honey from a nurse bee. Well, if that were the case, that would have been weeks ago. How this bee live all this time until it just emerged through, started to break through the wax, and um, I thought, well, let me take a closer look. And then so I looked at the capped wax cells that had the holes in it. And I pulled the wax out and I looked and the bee wasn't even big enough yet. It was still in a cocoon stage. So it hadn't even developed to into a bee to where it's chewing through the wax yet. So that, that bee wasn't chewing itself out. 
Could it have been that there was another bee that was chewing to pull that out because they sensed that it had mites? Possibly. But what also kind of solidified all this is the bee that had the proboscis sticking out of the hive or sticking out of the cell, when I pulled it out and put it under a microscope, it had a mite on it. The young uh, cocoon stage bee that had the pinhole also had a mite on it. This is some deep shit detective work. Well, it's it's not rocket science. You get a you get a close up lens on it, and all these things that you don't want to believe it's occurring in the hive. You see it right in front of you, and like, oh well, I'm an idiot. Not only am I an idiot, but I've been entertaining this idea that it's been hive poison this, this entire time, when in fact it was mites. And not to mention, you have these so called experts in the field who've been doing this for years, saying, yeah, yeah, that's hive poisoning. Hive poisoning. So yeah. that's it's strengthening in your head your your answer. Yeah. And so, you know, with a lot of things, you know, Dan and, and, and guys that have farms and have animals, you know, sometimes you, you get a sense for something that's occurring um, with an animal and you want to think, you want to, you almost want to believe it's something else going on. You kind of, you push those feelings away and that thought process and you kind of learn and discover and want to pull in something else uh, to understand it, that, that, that that's actually what's going on. In reality, if you just go with that gut check from the start, you know, you can that you, it would be true to yourself and possibly the situation because that gut feeling is maybe your subconscious reading through all your BS you're feeding yourself. Um, you know, I wasn't sure if if this approach was going to work or not with trying to treat the mites this way, but it was obvious that it didn't. So I decided, well, I'm going to try again this next year. And what options do we have? Well, we can use essential oils again in our sugar syrup because that seemed to be somewhat effective. Use small cell bees that also seem to be somewhat effective. Make brood breaks that also seem to be somewhat effective. And throughout the majority of the year, that works. That works for me in my context. When I go to pull out drone cells, I'm not finding mites. Now, I, this week, I need, I need to maybe do an alcohol wash or a sugar shake to actually get in there and, and, and see a little bit, yep. little bit better exactly how many mites that I have. Um, and then we get into a chase game. You know, if I do find mites, how many mites do I have to find before I decide, okay, I have enough mites now to do another form of a treatment. So, so what's you, it sounds like you got your plan set for what you're doing in the warm months for taking care and keeping the varroa mite in check. What's your fall plans? Because last, it seemed like last fall was your hiccup for you. So what are you going to change this year? Well, I'm, the first and foremost, I'm actually going to get in the get in the hives and actually check them and see what's going on right now, rather than me pretend that my bees don't have mites. I don't. It, it's like anything else in nature. There, there's a there is a, a a level of of a symbiotic relationship where I believe you do you can have mites and you can have bees and they can live um, at, at a certain um, uh, within a, a a specific relationship that benefits both. That doesn't decimate the host. The parasite, in its best interest, does not want to decimate the host. The, the hive. Yeah, the parasite only wants to take enough to keep them living and have that that source coming, you know, that, that viable source for life. Um, you know, that's that's how I look at those, and I'm you know I could be dead wrong when it comes to those things. Um, so the first thing I'm going to do is check and actually get some numbers on how many mites I actually have. Uh, using some more standardized testing, alcohol wash, which is pretty much taking a cup of bees and alcohol, and you're unfortunately killing the bees 
to see actually count how many mites you have. And you can do a sugar shake, which is putting a cup of bees in a cup with sugar and shaking it. And the, the, the sugar and the shaking exfoliates. Powdered uh, sugar, correct? Powder, yeah, the powdered sugar exfoliates the, well, is it powdered or regular sugar? Pretty powdered up from what I understand. Powder, yeah. yeah. And helps exfoliate the, the mite. And then you can you can count them that way, too. But from what I understand, it's not as accurate as an alcohol wash. Though. Right. I, I do alcohol wash in general. And there's actually a handy little cup thing. That there's a cup inside of a cup, and the cup inside of the cup has holes in it and bunch, and there's markers on there to tell oh, you nice. how many cups of bees are in there. So if there's two or three cups, and then you can pour your alcohol, and then you can actually shake it, and then the mites fall to the bottom, and then you can actually count. Yeah, it and was that, ten. That gives bucks. you a solid number. To yes. Say, if I have you know whatever, however many mites per cup of bees, then I need to entertain other treatment options. I, I think this is an interesting segue here as far as where we find in the treatment-free beekeeping world where people get a little bit woo-woo is they don't want to kill the bees, you know, the 50 or so bees you're doing in an alcohol wash. Right. But, you know, uh, bees would sacrifice themselves for the good of the colony. You know, yes. they would have no issue with that themselves. And they have a short lifespan as it is. Uh, you know, I do you really, you know, find issues with... Sacrificing fifty it's bees. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. it's it's like when we go to um, uh, butcher and and dispatch a hog or a chicken or a turkey on the farm. You know, I'm I'm not going to pretend at all to assume that you know uh, we're taking those lives just like we would be taking the lives of the bees to do that. Are they going to give themselves freely to the benefit of the hive? It would make me feel better about it if that were the case. But I'm not a bee, and I can't communicate them in a way that I can understand that from them. But I do understand assuming a certain amount of risk um, and what it takes to to perform that test, uh, and, and and as far as how you know actually killing bees to do that. So that's one aspect of it. You could you could measure and see how many mites you have to determine at what rate you treat. But that's also subjective because how where is that line? Two mites, ten mites, twenty mites. You know, some folks will just wait until they see. Uh, the bees with the formed wings and things not going right, so it's almost too late to course correct. You know that's so that's that's, that's one aspect of it is to uh, test and then treat when applicable. Well, there's a, a, a growing number of beekeepers and uh, beekeepers that have done this since these treatments were available is they'll treat preventatively in the spring and in the summer and the fall. So don't even waste the time. Um, and treating they're not killing the bees to test before they treat they just know because they've had so many years of experience in their area to say no matter what i do i have mites and that's so okay treat, and that's okay and this is where the treatment free conversation is really really tricky like we had talked about in the last episode how extremely local beekeeping is do i yes. believe that there are beekeepers that have bees that are 100 percent treatment free i believe 100 percent there are, there are beekeepers that are that are probably doing that, and it's working for them. It's working well, for them in what, the context. What technically in the context is a treatment then? Anything that you do uh, as a as a as a preventative measure, or even a reactionary measure to treat for starvation, which is feeding them sugar. Yeah. Uh, treat to um, kill or prevent mites is a treatment. Mm-hmm. You could you could almost argue manipulating your hive bodies and boxes. So if I put up a windbreak, 
is a treatment. If, if I put up a windbreak in the winter, is that a treatment? Uh, this is where the conversation exactly yes and now, now so is you could you could argue yes it's a, a treatment against cold yes or against wind and i was more pointing to how the conversation always turns is what i see as a treatment is not necessarily what greg or james sees as a treatment and that's when these a lot of the folks will um they have a couple few hardline definitions that they all try to veer to where it's, yes we don't feed sugar we don't use any kind of oils uh vaporizers foggers or even plant-based materials to treat against mites, but let them but let the mites have full reign. And I, and I think the 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 logic of a lot of that makes a lot of sense because you have a colony of bees, and you let them get inundated with all the local mites that that they might, and you maybe have some survivor stock. And the idea is to have those survive, and then to propagate, and then year after year keep propagating bees from the ones that aren't effective that aren't affected by the mites. With the ultimate goal of having bees that keep thriving with mites, and I think it's it's there's folks that say they do it, and I think it's it's possible in certain contexts, but what a lot of folks don't understand because they're only focused on their local context yeah. is here in Ohio, hive beetles aren't really that big of a problem. No, they're not. It's not that hard to, unless your hive's in the shade all the time. That that could be a problem. Yes, and I, I that, saw that personally. And there's lots of things we've talked about in the past yeah. with inner covers and oh, yeah. different types of feeders and, and, and yep. switching to lots of other management methods. But you go down south in Georgia, there's some areas that are just completely ate up, infested with hive beetles. And some beekeepers an hour away have means have a method that controls it in that context. And you go an hour or two away or three, and they can't even keep bees in that yard anymore because the hive beetles are so bad. So you can't whitewash yes. beekeeping as a whole and say, you know, everyone can do treatment free or everyone can not have a hive beetle problem. Um, well, my my personal experience is I last year my hives were inundated with hive beetles, but I was also using hive top feeders yep. or the. Yeah, the hive top feeders, and so I switched to mason jars this year, and I've I think I've only seen one there's in the less, ten hives. There's less places for them. To, there's, I mean, I, yes, I, the idea of a of a hive top feeder is way handier than a, I I use jars too. Yeah, but having the having a gallon of syrup inside of oh, a it's box, so much more convenient. It's, it's more yeah. convenient to us, um, but especially not like in late fall and yep. early spring, where those jars will drip. One of the cool things I did find in one of my dead outs was a uh, there was a, a big chunk of propolis next to a frame, and I went to scoop it out, and they propolized a hive beetle to a frame because it, it was actually pretty sweet. So, but I mean, you know, so you, it, this is a, a tricky thing because everyone wants to do right by their livestock, whether it's their pigs, their chickens, yes, um, or the bees. You want them to do right by them. You don't want to feed them poison. Um, you want them to be healthy and prolific. And you have to figure out, well, how am I going to do that? And what signs do I look for? And what methods are there available? And I think you know, a lot of folks are you know, leaning towards uh, more plant-based and more natural uh, forms to do that. You know, right now, one of the ones that, that we have on hand to use is osalic acid. And osalic acid is a naturally occurring acid that occurs in all your leafy greens, spinach, lettuce, rhubarb, comfrey. It, it's... Um, it's a naturally occurring acid in plant leaves. And they, they take that and they can extract that out and turn it into a crystal format that you can then put into your your you know your hot dog stick 
style vaporizer. Yeah. And it heats that crystal up and it creates that vapor and it puts that acid vapor in the hive. And, you know, folks that use it will, you know, say that there is no adverse, re- there is no adverse uh, effects well, to it or the honey or the brood. Well, also, the, uh, well, how long ago did acetic acid get approved to be used in the United States? Like, it's not, th- it's yeah, not like that long. Less than five years, I it's think like it was. years ago in Europe. Yeah, it's more than that. There's uh, actually like long-term, like 20 plus year studies done in Germany. Yeah. And you can go on the inner tubes and find those if you want to, but it's it's a practice that's been happening for a very long time. And previously in the United States, before it was approved, people were using oscillic acid. Well, I, I wouldn't know if I'd call it illegally, but they were still using it and having positive results. Right, because all of a sudden something's not safe or effective unless the USDA says it is. Exactly. And so, you know, in Europe, they were using dribbling methods and vaporizing methods and things like the dribbling methods where you have a, a liquid slurry that you're, yes. you're spraying in the hive. And that, you know, there is results and data that shows that that is dangerous and harmful to, oh, especially open brood. Yes. Where the vaporizer, uh, you know, is, is the data looks like it's, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm leery on saying completely safe, but it looks like there's no adverse reaction to to brood uh, or to honey or production in, inside of the hive. Well, to start off, it's an organic acid. But it's 99.9% effective. Yes. So there's that. Of course, you have you know mitoway strips and formic acid and things that have their own challenges inside of the hive that are sort of a naturally occurring It's acid. really 99.9% effective. Is, yeah, there are studies that just came out. It's 99.9% effective on varroa mite. What? And so when you think about, you know, and well, it's a big pharmaceutical and the bee business trying to sell you stuff. The stuff is cheap. I mean, how what's <laughs> I bought ended up being I, I, like two pounds of a salad for I, think I got ten seven pounds bucks or of it silly. for fifteen dollars. I mean, if, if they're preying on how, out, of, yeah. out, of all, out of all of these weirdo homesteaders like us in Ohio, how many of us actually keep bees? I mean the percent is like what, five percent if yeah. that so out of five percent of all the weirdos in Ohio are is big pharmaceutical are they really targeting us to make all their profits? Exactly. I'm not sure. And, no, and not at all. I I got like ten pounds for oh god, like fifteen bucks, but it was primable too, which is that's another it, yeah. win. I mean, so so that's what we're looking at is you know this week I'm um, I want to do the test because I want to get more comfortable, um, you know, knowing what the test actually mean means, uh, how it's performed correctly, um, what that data means. Um, and then I have to I have to determine: Am I going to take a risk again? I don't think so. Last year, you know, losing all the hives that I did, you can't you know you can't um, fry an egg before it's hatched. But if you were to extrapolate how many hives I had going into the winter, and then what that loss would have been over a course of a year of making splits and honey and numbers and selling, if I, if I wanted to sell nukes, I'm mean, looking at thirty grand. Exactly for with the with the vaporizer. $75 worth of stuff that will yeah. last 10 years. And I got a vaporizer from Don, and it seems pretty bulletproof. I've got one from Don, too. It's, yeah. I mean, it's it, they're, they're, they're so simple. It's literally a, a piece of a, aluminum rod that has a aluminum billet with a cup that has a glow plug Yeah, that hooks to a 12-volt battery. I mean, it's so simple. Yeah. Um, I know. actually, my, my eyes were really opened to a silic acid because I initially got bees looking at the holistic management methods right. and things like that. And uh, 
I read a bunch of books going into it, but after I actually got bees, one of the books that I was directed towards was uh, Towards Saving the Honeybee with Gunther Hawk. Right. And he is a super holistic guy about everything he does oh my gosh like uh grafting bees is probably the detriment to right why we have all these problems but one of the things he started talking about was how he treats with oscillic acid vapor yeah and after reading his whole book and going through those sections because he was the first one that actually introduced me to all these uh european studies and the fact that they've been doing it for an extremely long time and it's not just something that, okay, we've been doing it for a few years and nothing bad happens, so we should be okay. But we're able to get more of a sound idea of long-term effects. Yeah, and when you have yeah. folks that are experienced, that have kept bees for 50 years or 60 years like Don, and he says, and, and Don started, he started keeping bees in Ohio and Georgia, that you, know, you, you really can't keep honeybees without treating them for mites. Yep. I'm, they're, I would, I'm not going to argue with folks that say that they're doing it successfully, we all measure, I think, that success differently in that context. If, if success means the bees live throughout the year and they come out in the winter with some numbers and, they, and that's the rotation, then that's great. You know, the idea, I think, for them is to get stocked to go through the winter, come out, of the win- uh, come out into the spring, and then um, have those uh, or catch, you know, catch swarms and do the same thing, but to constantly have their local genetic diversity constantly changing and switching through the bees um, in the attempt to find genetics that aren't bothered by the mites. And I think it's awesome. You know, yeah. anyone who has animals who does any kind of breeding, you know, that happens every day with every species is you try to breed the better traits and try to lose some of the poorer quality traits. But that is a really long-term game, especially when it comes to bees. Um, it would be like if, if the state of Ohio, if, if no matter what you did, any hog that came into the state lines of Ohio got worms, no matter what you did, you know, there's a certain line to where you're going to try, you're going to think DE might work for you, or you're going to use uh, walnut hulls, or uh, you're going to feed them garlic, or whatever that might be. You can try all those and see if they work for you, uh, but at a certain point in time, if you're honest with the results, you're going to have to make some tough choices of where you're either going to have to worm them. Go get or, some ivermectin at TSC. And I mean, and, and yeah. the problem's done. You know, so... It's it's easy to take the easy route, and sometimes the easy answer feels like it's taking the easy way out. Um, but you know, if you have to, I think like we talked about before, you have to measure your um, you have to you have to weigh your goals with your context, um, and you know, not be afraid to just to follow your gut and do what you think is best for your bees. And if you make a decision and you end up losing all of your bees, well, that's on you. I did that last year, and I don't feel like I need to provide any more public service. Uh, to um, continue the treatment-free message in my bee yard. Yeah, I would love I would love that for to happen. I think anybody who has bees would love to not fool with mites. Exactly, and I, it's not working for me. I have a little bit of an outside perspective here from being my first year, and I've never been through this process before of treating bees or you know seeing the cycles. I almost feel that if you're going to be a beekeeper. It is almost your responsibility to have to treat the bees for their problems just for the fact that beekeeping is not a natural thing. That's There's a good point. Nothing natural about beekeeping. Especially uh, the way that we're doing it. No. Well, I mean, yeah. so where, where do the – you know, bees – normally they – what? In the wild, they go into trees. Right. You know, and so nature 
takes care of all their problems. You know, they take care of their or problems. Nature calls them out. They calls them out. You know, it. it we're ta- essentially we're taking over for nature at this point, where nature knows us best, and we really don't. We're taking a, a bee that came from Europe, bring it into North America, and then putting them into cute boxes so we can pull frames out and manage them. Yep. My boxes are pretty cute. There's paw prints on them. They're, they're so cute, Dan. <laughs> Thank you for that. They're very, very cute. I have some of Dan's cute boxes, too. They're so cute. So, I mean, tell me, tell me what's, what's natural about anything that we're doing. You know, it's hard to argue because in the state of Ohio, you can't keep bees naturally. No. Because in the state of Ohio, you have to register your bees, and you have to have your bees inspected. And to do that, they have to be in removable frames. Exactly. So how can you have a, you know, a natural bee tree with frames that you can remove for your but inspector? Do Ohio look? bees have to be inspected? Yes. Or is it, is it only if it's you not, plan on it's, selling the it's honey? It's not suggested. It's, it's, it's law. Okay. If you, have an, if, you have, if you have an apiary or if you have hives, you are to register those hives, and you also can either consent or non-consent to your county inspector inspection. If you non-consent... Um, they aren't allowed to enter your premises without your permission. Um, but if you were to say harboring uh, American fowl brood, then they um, can then get a warrant to come onto your property to inspect. And if they find, they burn pretty much the entire yard. Does the SWAT team come? Like, we're Black coming after your bees. The whole nine yards. Fast roping down. <laughs> Grab the hives, run. So I, I file a consent every year. On my consent form, I put that the inspector must call and schedule an appointment because my bee yard is secured. Which which I totally agree with because I, I know our county inspectors and for most of the state of Ohio, they're beekeepers also, and they honestly want what's best for the bees. My, my inspector was great. I had a great experience with him last year. I'm looking forward to seeing him again this year um, and learning what I can from him. Um, do I, you know, be me being more of a, of a backwoods hillbilly when it comes to a lot of these things? Do I appreciate the state telling me that I have to have my bees inspected? No, not at all. Do I agree that that's mandatory and that should be? No, not at all. But if there are other yards that have American fowl brood um, in my area, I want to know about it. You know, and I'm I'm not it's tricky. I'm not trying to hide that disease. What one thing that good that the state has done is um, prevented or limited uh, the um, the regular non-licensed person from obtaining antibiotics so we can no longer treat or hide um, well that's that's livestock wide that's true it is livestock wide you can no longer get medicated feed for animals in the store and things like that i remember when it took effect because uh tractor supply and roll king still had medicated animal feed on the shelves and now they have a fancy letter saying you need a prescription to get this right and then it disappeared after the stock was gone and i think that's that's there was there were a couple outbreaks in ohio um, and it was just from you know some very dishonest beekeepers who had a lot of money wrapped up in their in their yard, and I understand it. And they were treating their uh, American fowl with, with antibiotics to kind of hide the symptoms, um, to to keep the bees long moving and making honey and making more bees. But you take them off the antibiotic, and they just they that's it. They're done. They, it's it's a it's an outbreak again. And so there was there was one uh, beekeeper in particular had I think he had six hundred hives. Decided he was going to get out of beekeeping, sold all the equipment and the bees, and that stuff went everywhere. And so they tracked some of it down and destroyed it. But what a nice guy! I mean, that's that's yeah, that's a guy getting out of it in his golden years and and passing that problem along to somebody else to make some money. So that's why I kind of like circle back around here to 
you know, what we're talking, you know, oh, yeah. trying to get at here is that when we're taking these bees out of nature, what what are we taking them away from out of the trees? What natural occurring things that happen in trees and, are we oh, taking yeah. away from them that that right. could be fixing? And that piggy tails with all kinds of just a uh, lot of awesome, not just um, field data, but scientific uh, and peer-reviewed data that's coming out now that that is that is indicating, if not proving, that uh, introducing the the correct fungal and mycelium networks back to the bees um, is providing a more healthy colony. You know, like 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 you're talking about. If if we were let's so we we took honeybees from Europe and we brought them here. Okay, we started to try to manage them in different systems. Um, they ended up in, in, in the wild or, or in feral. They ended up in, in trees and under eaves and in houses and in walls and all those kind of things. They find their own way. But when they go into the woods and they go to the nature and they're living in these dead, hollow trees, the trees are full of mycelium and, and, a, and a complete fungal network. And, I, and it, the bees are utilizing some of those minerals and the vitamins and that fungal network. And it seems as though um, that's helping either with them with maybe it's cognitive um maybe that there's a lot you know when you look at a beehive and you are trying to understand it you can only see what's on the surface you can't understand things that you don't see and i think a lot of these things that we're just on the cusp of understanding we don't fully understand yet but paul stamets is is one that's leading um you know leading that charge and he's made some really interesting uh discoveries with wine cap uh strophoria king strophoria that there was the specific mushroom um, variety that he has seen the bees forage on, and they've they've done some testing, um, and you know there is seems to be cognitive improvements, um, and also um, health improvements on warding off against disease. You know when a varroa mite you know attacks a bee, they attack it from the very beginning, and they're like a tick, and they're sucking the nutrients and life out of that bee. That's one thing, but they're also injecting all the viruses that they carry. And so I think the idea with um, the bees getting benefit from mycelium is that they're uh, they're they're getting a, a wide variety of of natural um, resistance through the fungal networks and the minerals that helps to be almost resistant to those disease and that the effects of the mites. And in that case, you could have as many mites as you wanted in the colony, but if they weren't being affected by it, it's not really a problem. Right. You've cured the problem. Yeah, and so it's like having pigs that have lice. Okay, that's fine as long as it's temporary and it eventually goes away. But if those pigs, if those lice were to uh, be killing herds of swine and injecting with all these different viruses, and it gets into our food system, it's it, you see, it's, it's like a it's a snowball that just runs down, down and down and down and down. So I mean, you see, you see, as you know, we as we try to manage nature, just giving us something as simple as cutting our lawns. What happens when you quit manicuring your lawn? Nature takes over. It reverts. All kinds of crazy stuff happens. Yep. So it's the same thing with anything in life. Yep. You know, once you start, you know, man, we start managing these bees. I think we have responsibility to these bees, and not to say, well, it was it was nature, you know, that 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 you know killed the bees this year. I wasn't going to treat them because I'm being the best person I can be. Right. Well, well think, no. of, think of it as like your kids. Your kid gets sick. You're not going to say, hey, tough it out. If you die, you die. You might, you know, like, because we have seven. You're going to try 
maybe some holistic you know like you know when yeah. i when i recently when i got back from don's and brought bees here um i just almost cut my finger completely off on the table saw building boxes and when i did that i immediately looked at it and knew okay this isn't a good, this isn't a bad way quick like I'm, i might lose this finger um because i nicked into the bone i'm setting myself up for an open fracture and i could i could really quickly uh get bacteria and an infection inside of the bone and i could lose the entire finger possibly my hand my arm it could go all up the all up the, the the bone structure if i didn't take care of it so i could either go the homeopathic route and i could use yarrow and honey and garlic and i could take that chance for me um I, that wasn't a chance i was willing to take so i got on antibiotics and i paid the price and they were terrible and i was sick um uh, but i got to keep my finger and now i can use my finger and i uh, compromised and i chose the antibiotic and I feel good about the decision. So it's the same thing with kids. You, depending on what the situation is, if I had just scratched my finger, I would have put comfrey salve on it. If it was a deep wound, I would have probably just put comfrey salve on it. But when it was cut all the way open and dangling into the bone, that's a different situation. And so exactly. I feel like with mites and the bees, it's that situation where that finger is about ready to fall off. And when you, if you see you have a problem, it's already too late. Yeah. So you have to choose. Am I going to try holistic? Am I going to try no measures? Am I going to try holistic measures? Am I going to, um, you know, or am I going to go to uh, naturally occurring acids? Or am I going to go to stronger stuff? You know. And I don't want to say pet. I don't want to sound petty saying this, but you also have quite a financial investment into these. And with the financial investment, sure. you also have to think about what you've put into it yourselves. Yeah, you have to you have to protect yeah. the investment for sure. Because for us last year, I know uh, we had four hives and. Uh, Two of them we set aside, and I've read a lot of positive research about people using staghorn sumac for the citric acid content in it. Luckily for us in Ohio, staghorn sumac grows wild, yep. so I can get a ton of it. And actually collected some when we went out to your house. Yep. Uh, so every time I went and smoked the bees, I had sprigs of staghorn sumac in there that were dried. And so we took two hives, a 10 frame and an 8 frame, and... They got received no treatment or no, no commercial treatment, other than the staghorn sumac. And then the other two hives were receiving. Uh, they received one treatment of uh, mitoway strips, formic acid. I believe. I think that's right. the yeah. And so it was right before winter came. I had one hive abscond. Went in there. Oh gosh, probably like three days. Yeah, I went in there, looked at them. They were fine. Everything was great. Three days later, I was out in the bee yard, and I saw bee activity, but something seemed off about it, so I started to go closer and started looking in there, and uh, there was bees coming in and out, and then finally cracked the hive and looked inside, and all the honey was getting robbed out. So I realized that my hive was gone, and then I did another dead out over winter, and it was a very similar picture to what you were painting about your hives on how they were just laying everywhere. And, and our local buddy, Sean Brown, lost all of his bees. And yep. had, had, it was um, it, the same exact issue going on with his that were going on with mine, too. Yep. And it's like at some point, you just have to decide. And the, and the two that were treated with mitoway strips came out splendid. They looked awesome. And, I mean, as soon as spring hit, they rebounded back, and it was you. And there are yeah. some folks that have used staghorn sumac, and they've used it more in a treatment method where it's uh, every day for a week and then once a week and then once a month. 
to where they're closing up, making an envelope, and they're using it. Like, it, Sumac probably has a uh, correct, has a use that's beneficial to a certain extent, but only if it's used maybe in a certain way. Like, when I go out and we hang, we, we, we grow lots of comfrey. So I've got comfrey hanging up in the woodshed and we dry it out. I put comfrey in my smoker and I, I do put staghorn in there when I'm out working the bees. It's so very little. I'm not sure how much effect it's actually getting, but they're getting some. Um, am I going to depend on that and bank on that for the health of my entire beekeeping year this year and more importantly next year? Yeah. Man, I don't think so. And yep, for us this year, same thing. I bought me a fancy acetic acid vaporizer. I got my 10 pounds of acetic acid that will probably last me an extremely long time. Probably a lifetime. Yes. And that's that's our plan. So you're you're treating bees for a dollar a year for your entire yard. I mean, that's- yep. And then you, you know brought you brought up Sean Brown. Um I'd be really curious uh next year to compare where he's at versus where you're at because you you brought when you brought your bees back from uh, Don, you you gave him some of those bees. Right. So it'd be the same genetics and everything, yeah. and let's just see like where your the way you did treated your bees and the way he treated his bees, and see where you're both at. A lot of folks, a lot of us in this network have came in on a more of a holistic approach um, with with farming, um, the bees included, and we're learning that you know you kind of just have to um, be honest enough with yourself to 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 look at your situation, understand it for what it is, and not be afraid to change your game plan and to look at other options if that's what your gut's telling you. The thing that that bothers me, um, and it's with any aspect of holistic farming or even holistic lifestyles, is folks entrench themselves so deep in every camp that they end up fighting amongst themselves. So you have the treatment-free guys who don't like the treatment-free commercial guys or they don't like the guys who treat the salic acid or it's this and they're, they're battling and they hate each other and there's all these you know ridiculous social media blowouts. It, it might as well be Democrats versus Republicans. It is. And we as humans are always like you know dividing and conquering and finding tribes that align with us. So we've, it's a whole lot of nonsense. If we all just realize we're all keeping bees and that's a good thing and just support one another in that aspect of it, and just learn, like if there's if there are treatment free folks that are listening, like we want to know, we, we would love to hear from you. Uh, find us on Facebook, on our webpage. Let us know what you're doing, how you're doing it, how it's going, what your goals are, what your context is, because we want to learn from everybody. If you're treating, we want to know that too. We want to know how you're doing it, how it's worked for you. We love to hear about how you're making splits, how you're how everyone's doing in the BR this year. We can all learn together. Or if you know if you're not treating, let's, I, I like to learn what your situation is, where you're living at, what kind what of micro context is. context is. Yeah, microclimate. Yeah. You know what is it? We want to know. Either way. So the next time we get together, it's going to be interesting, and we're going to have a lot more uh, feedback regarding yeah. uh, treatments and splits. And the next few weeks here are going to be pretty exciting. So definitely. So check us out on Facebook. Thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll check in with you guys here real soon. All right, I'll see you guys soon. Toodles. Bye. Come on, put all all you got into it. I want to hear your your church voice. Come on. In ancient melodies. It's under me and stuff to say. Hurry, boy, he's waiting there for you.
to be on stage 